Well, amen to that. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's the stability of God, the never-changing characteristics that he is, that we celebrate, we adore, and we worship. I will be talking these next two Sundays about Samson, a judge that we all know, of all the judges, more so than anyone else. At least we think we know him, right? I mean, when I was a kid, we talked about Samson, and I had all these comic book superheroes. Samson was one of them. You know, Samson could do anything. He was like Superman. And yet, when I read the pages of these four chapters dedicated to Samson, I realized that he was just not that person, okay? So we're going to talk about Samson today and next Sunday. If you'll stand with me, I want to read the first few verses of chapter 13 of Judges, and then we will move into chapter 14 for our message. Beginning at chapter 13 of Judges, verse 1, the Bible says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. You get tired of hearing that? <laughs> I bet the Lord did. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are barren and childless, but you're going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Let's pray. Our most gracious Father, we just praise you for this day. We thank you for your word, which never changes, your promises, which are always fulfilled, your prophecy, which is coming to fruition as we speak. Thank you, Lord God, for each and every promise that you've given that has been or will be fulfilled. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Give us an open heart, an open ear, an open mind to receive your truth. Lord God, may we act on it in a way that gives you glory. Father, thank you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, here we are again, Israel, straying away from God. I'm telling you, God is a patient creator God. That's just all I can say. Israel was oppressed by the Philistines for 40 years. This is the longest time in judges of oppression by God, 40 years. 40 years. Like they can't get it right, you know? It's... It's like having a, a child of yours that you discipline for something and they turn right around and do it again. So you send them back there for a longer period of time. And you, when they finish that particular time, they turn around and do it again. So you extend the time again. And you ask yourself as a parent, are they ever going to get it? And I wonder 
what God thinks sometimes when I read these passages. Here's Samson. I entitled this The Profile of a Spiritual Loser. Samson had so much going for him, and yet he didn't. He didn't receive it well. Well, looking at the history of this, the Philistines were their most dreaded enemies. The Philistines came somewhere from the region of Greece and um, were normally uh, a people who took what they wanted. There was a period of 40 years here in the Philistine conquest that they had, uh, Israel was subservient. And evidently, as we read through not only Judges, but also in 1 Samuel, the people of, of Israel got to where they just didn't want to rock the boat. And it's always interesting to me that when God wants to save his people, he sends a baby. Have you notice that? He sends a baby. When Abraham and Sarah were barren, well up into their 90s, God appeared to them and sent them a baby. Isaac, of all people, came to them in old age. And then there was Moses to rescue the people of Israel from the hand of the Egyptian Pharaoh. Moses came as a baby. And then there was Samuel. And then there was Jesus. You see a trend here? If there was ever any reason to oppose abortion, those four issues would do it. Amen? God is a patient God. He sends the insignificant to make a significant contribution. And we have no right to terminate that contribution of God. That's my soapbox. I'm on it. So here we have this, this situation where Manoah and his wife were childless. They could not, she could not become pregnant until God intervened and said, you will become pregnant, but you will have the Nazarite vow as well as that unborn child as he grows up. He will have that Nazarite vow. You see, Samson ruled Israel for 20 years of the 40 years while they were oppressed. It looks as we read about it, the Philistines were somewhat, they, not just somewhat, they were concerned about Samson. He was quite a force to be reckoned with. The word Samson literally means sunny or brightness. So this was, I'm sure, what mom and dad expected of their child. To the, where he would have this disposition that was sunny and bright, that he would, be, he would be the light in their lives for sure because they are being childless, had only seen the grief that childlessness bore for that particular age. You see, losers disrespect godly advice. We see where... The Philistines had disarmed the Jews in 1 Samuel 13. They had taken all the blacksmiths and, and took them back to their own country so that they could not 
make armaments for Israel. And so Samson only started the deliverance of the Jews. He didn't complete it. Others would complete it. David would ultimately complete it. In verse 5, I want you to notice the way it reads. He says, he will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Not that he'll deliver them completely, but that he'll start it. Samson was a good one to start it. But you see, what happened, there was this man who was born, this child that was born to Manoah and his wife, full of promise. And she uh, did the proper dietary laws for a pregnant woman. Didn't drink wine, didn't drink strong drink, stayed away from foods that were prohibited. For the nine months that she was pregnant, she watched her diet, which was good for us today. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I, I beg to let this man of God you sent us come again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. God heard Manoah. The angel of God came again to the woman while she was out in the field. Manoah was not with her, so she ran to get Manoah. They, he came and said, are you the one that appeared to Manoah? Yes, I am. So they offered a sacrifice to the Lord. And as the sacrifice was going up in fire, the angel disappeared in the fire going to heaven. I love it. So we are doomed to die, Manoah said. We have seen God. His wife answered, if the Lord had meant to kill us, it would not have accepted a burnt offering and grain offering from our hands, nor shown us all these things or now told us this. She gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him and the spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Mahanadan between Zorah and Eshtel. So God was with Samson growing up. And you know that Manoah and his wife were strong in instructing this boy in the way of the Lord. And yet, though he was instructed, Samson seemed to disrespect this godly advice from his parents. Well, he went down into the land of the Philistines. The Bible says, Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah and I get her for me as my wife. I need that gal. Well, he disregarded the advice. The parents told him that it was not wise. It was the law of God as given through Moses not to intermarry with, with the other tribes. Hear what God said through Moses in Exodus 34. Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land. For when they prostitute themselves to their gods and sacrifice to them, they will invite you and you will eat their sacrifices. And when you choose some of their daughters as wives for your sons and those daughters prostitute themselves to their gods, they will lead your sons to do the same. And then in Deuteronomy 7, the Bible says, 
when the Lord God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drives out before you many nations, do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. And I know Manoah was telling young Samson, these are the rules, these are the laws of God. This is the way that you're gonna have success. This is the way you will have joy. This is the way you will have contentment. Follow the Lord, be faithful to him. But there's Samson. But there's an exception. I saw this girl who was a Philistine and she looked good. And after all, I, I want her. He said, his father and mother replied, isn't there an acceptable woman among relatives or among all our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? Samson replied to his father, get her for me. She's the right one for me. Have you ever had any children react to you that way? I hope I'm not the only one. Please say yes. <laughs> I need that affirmation. So I was the same way as a teenager. I went through that period of rebellion as well with my parents. They said, this is not what the Lord wants you to do. And I, you know, you, you come back with some smart aleck answer as he did, as Samson did. But this is what I want. This is the one for me. This is my desire. Can't you fulfill my desire? Isn't that why you exist as parents? To fulfill my desires? <laughs> that age of entitlement. The teen years. And so they tried to dissuade him from following his desires. But he would not be dissuaded. You see... Spiritual losers disrespect godly advice, whether it's from their parents, from their siblings, wherever it comes from. Spiritual losers are not gonna listen to things of that nature. You know, they always have a better idea or always expect God to just bend the rules a little for them at that particular time. It will work out okay, Lord. I mean, after all, it's just this one time. Or it's just for this one event, occasion. It's just me. You know I won't do it again, but I mean, boys will be boys. Girls will be girls. Girls just want to have fun. <laughs> or so the song says. So losers, spiritual losers, disrespect godly advice. And what it's, Look at Samson. Losers disrespect their vows. He's a Nazarite. Samson went down to Timnah together with his mother and father. As they approached the vineyards at Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. Now Samson has ventured off into the vineyards. He's not supposed to have any contact with grapes, much less the, what they produce. It's part of his Nazarite vow. You see, the word Nazarite means literally to separate or to consecrate. There were three things that a Nazarite would not do. 
should not do according to what their vows to the Lord demanded. Three things. Number one, abstain from drinking wine and strong drink. Number one, don't have anything to do with the grape. Number two, avoid touching dead bodies. Keep that in your mind. And number three, allow your hair to grow. No razor could come upon your head. I'm a, not a Nazarite. I'm <laughs> obviously, it would even look weird at this point. But here, Samson had wandered some four miles into enemy territory before a woman caught his eye. And then we see where in chapter 14, verse 3, that he is only interested in pleasing himself. And when that happens, you're going to disrespect the vows that you have made to God. So do you remember those vows you made at the altar that one time? Remember when you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Remember what you said, oh Lord, I will follow you the days of my life. Anywhere you, you send me, I will follow I'll, I'll tell anybody what you have done for me. And then the opportunities come to go, to tell, to serve, to minister. And what do you say? Well, not this time. Not to them. Not there. Not now. We break our vows to God. Look at what Samson did. He wandered four miles into this enemy territory. He turned aside into the vineyards. And then a young lion came roaring toward him. Maybe it was the Spirit of God that was trying to tell him, you're in the wrong area. God can send those messages to us. We're not always receptive. But he does put roadblocks up when we travel down the wrong dead-end streets. So... When the lion came, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. But he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. They had gone on further. He strayed away from them. Then he went down and talked with the woman and he liked her. Okay. Sometime later, when he went back to marry her, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass, okay? And in it, he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. He scooped out the honey with his hands and ate as he went along. And when he rejoined his parents, he gave them some and they ate it too. Now, he's already broken two of the three vows that a Nazarite should keep. He's already gone into the vineyards. He's already had contact with the grapes. And now he has not avoided touching a, a dead body, which was the carcass of the lion. And not only that, he's eating honey from the dead body. And what's even worse, that he enjoined his parents, so he disrespected them as well. They had a vow to the Lord. They were there when the, the Lord's messenger, which many theologians believe was none other than Jesus Christ himself. When they agreed 
to the messenger of God that they would keep this vow as well. There it is. Two of the three vows that they made, Samson broke in that. And then he encountered his parents and did the same for them. Well, one of the things, when you dis disrespect the Lord and godly advice, and you disrespect, you begin to disrespect the vows that you made to the Lord once upon a time. And part of that disrespect is in joining other people to disrespect those vows with you. Because misery loves company. We all like to have other people join us in that activity so that we don't feel like we're doing it all by ourselves and we're out there as some kind of lone ranger disobeying God. Somebody else does it, it's not so bad. That kind of tempers it a little bit. You know? Eve knew she was doing wrong, but here, Adam, come here. Try some of this. It's good. So there he is. He's only interested in pleasing himself. He turned aside to the vineyard. He made contact with a dead lion's body. And then what happens? Well, spiritual losers, third point, is they disrespect self-control. Now here's the story with Samson. He's been given the spirit of God. God is working with him. God's blessing him. God has already uh, earmarked him to be the leader of the movement that would free them from the Philistine oppression. Sometimes later, he went back to marry this gal that he just couldn't live without, or so he thought. And I don't think Samson was in love. I think he was in lust. But his father went down to see the woman, met her for the first time, and there Samson, Samson held a feast as was customary for young men. Now, to marry a woman was a seven-day event in that day and age, okay? And normally the, the groom took along with him some groomsmen, some guys to be along, but he didn't have anybody with him. He went just with his parents and started the feast, seven days of the feast. I will give, so then he, when the people saw him, they chose 30 men to be his companions. These Philistines didn't want him to be alone, so they chose the groomsmen for him, 30 men. So then he gets a little cocky because what he couldn't control was his tongue. James 3, 2 says, those who cannot control their tongues cannot control their bodies. So there he is. So the Bible says that when the people saw him, they chose 30 men to be his companions. Let me tell you a riddle, Samson said in his cockiness. If you can give me the answer within the seven days of the feast, I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. If you cannot tell me the answer, you must give me 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. They agree. Tell me your riddle. Let's hear it. So the game is on. Samson thinks he's got them where he wants them, intellectually. But they may not be the intellectual giants, but they are 
crafty. He replied, out of the eater, something to eat, out of the strong, something sweet. And for three days, they could not give the answer. So here, now he's making fun or folly of his sin, of coming in contact with a a carcass or a dead body. And that's always a sign that somebody is in spiritual poverty. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife. Now, she was his wife because the consummation hadn't happened and wouldn't happen until after the seven days of feasting. So their marriage hadn't been consummated yet, but she was still considered his wife. On the fourth day, they said, coax your husband into explaining the riddle for us or we will burn you and your father's household to death. Did you invite us here to steal our property? Then Samson's wife threw her on him sobbing. Now, Samson could handle a lot of things, but he couldn't handle a woman's tears. Few men can. So she says, you hate me. You don't really love me. Oh, there it goes, guys. That's not a 21st century issue. That came a long time ago. You're not doing what I ask you to do. You don't love me. You've given my people a riddle. You haven't told me the answer. I haven't even explained it to my father or mother, Samson replied. So why should I explain it to you? She cried the whole seven days of the feast. Now, how many guys could put up with that for seven days? I'm just saying, that's it. So she cried the seven days. So on the seventh day, he couldn't wait till the eighth. On the seventh day, he finally told her because she continued to press him. And that word literally is nag, okay? In, in the Hebrew. She in turn explained the riddle to her people. Before sunset on the seventh day, the people of the town said to him, what is sweeter than honey? And what is stronger than a lion? So now he owes 60 outfits to these people because that was the bet. 30 garments here and 30 garments there, 60 garments total. Samson said to them, if you had not plowed with my heifer, I'm sure he, she appreciated being called a heifer. <laughs> but the thing about it is, is you don't plow with heifers. They're not a plow animal. But he says, you would not have solved my riddle. Then the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson. He went down to Ashkelon struck down 30 of their men, stripped them of everything, and gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. Okay? Burning with anger, he returned to his father's home. And Samson's wife was given to one of his companions who had attended him at the feast, the best man. She legally was considered a wife of Samson through this seven-day feast. And yet... When he went home, there was no consummation of this marriage. So they said, well, best man is just that. He's the best one. So here you go, the spoils of war. 
So later on at that time of wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat and went to visit his wife. He said, I'm going to my wife's room, but her father would not let him go in. I was so sure you hated her, he said, that I gave her to your companion. Isn't her younger sister more attractive? Yeah, the older sister loved hearing that. Take her instead. Now, Samson is embroiled. The woman enticed him. She controlled him. She betrayed him. 1 John 2.16, for all that's in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life are not from the Father, but are from the world. You see, Samson was called a godly man uh, in Hebrews 11, verse 32. And yet, he had a hard time controlling his passions. And as a result, Samson, at this particular time, became a spiritual loser. The profile is you, a spiritual loser, just cannot accept godly advice. A spiritual loser is one who disrespects their vows to the Lord. A spiritual loser is one who cannot control themselves. They disrespect their self-control. A spiritual loser. Man, what a bummer to hear that when you're thinking that Samson is this great giant of a man who conquers the Philistines. Oh, he had a, some great conquest as you read the 14th and 15th chapters. Four chapters dedicated to Samson in the book of Judges. And yet, when you read these conquests of his, and the Bible says in 1 Samuel there were other conquests that he had that weren't even written about it. And the Philistines were extremely leery of him to begin with because of his strength. Wow. And then you read how he was brought down by a woman. And that's not the end of the picture. We'll see that next week. But my question to you on spiritual success, what are those vows that you've made to the Lord? Think about it. I know you're probably thinking of somebody else right now, which is a human tendency. But I want you to think about your own vows to the Lord. I want you to think about those vows that you made and how those vows were broken when you refused to accept godly advice from somebody that you respected. It could have even been godly advice from somebody that you've never met before, but heard it on that one occasion. It could have been godly advice that you read in the scriptures that you just refused to put on your own life. You could, just couldn't make the connection. When you read the Bible, you're thinking, that's somebody else, surely. It can't be me. Not in these pages. It, it surely can't be me and that I just read about. Uh, that's, I know who it is. It's somebody that I'm thinking about even now. You're a spiritual loser if you can't receive the godly advice. If you can't obey the vows that you've made to the Lord. If you come to that place in your life where you, you have said, I have told the Lord 
in negotiating with him, which is not a good idea, that if you just would do this, then I will do that. And when God had, had fulfilled what your negotiation thought it should be, and then you come back and, and don't fulfill your vow. Oh, Lord, if you just bless me, I, I honestly, I will tithe out of this blessing. But you don't. It's not 10%. It's not even 8 What is it, Lord, if you'll just restore me to good health, I'll serve you the days of my life. Lord, I will go wherever you want to go. I've had people have used the excuse, well, I don't have a passport. I can't go on a mission trip overseas. Well, let's go here in America. But I've always felt, I had an evangelist that told me this one time, and I believe it with all my heart. When a person joins a church, not only should they be given the membership form, but they ought to be given a passport form as well. No excuse. I've got a passport. It's valid. Lord, you want me to go there? And this is my Samaria. This is my uttermost parts of the earth. I'll go. Lord, if you send me, be like Isaiah in Isaiah 6. Lord, here am I. Send me. There's no excuse for me to stay here. There's no excuse for me to remain quiet about my testimony. There's no excuse for me not to live the life that I promised you that I would live. I don't want to be a spiritual loser. I want to be a spiritual winner. And I can only be that by being obedient to the vows I made to you and are fulfilling those vows as we speak. Where are you? Are you like Samson? At one time you were so strong in the Lord and yet Whatever the case might be, you let somebody or something or some situation compromise your walk with the Lord. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Well, you're here today or you're listening to this message and maybe you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe, you, maybe you're not sure that you've ever trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I come across that all the time. People want assurance. And I'll ask them, you know that you have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Yes, they said. You know that sin is disobedience to God. You're either doing what he asks you not to do or you're not doing what he asks you to do. I know that, they will respond. And yes, I, 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 I have sinned. Come short of the glory of God. Well, the wages of sin is death. That is separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Wow. You know that. Have you trusted, have you asked God to forgive you of your disobedience, of your sin, come into your life and make you what he wants you to be? Because he's your creator. He's the one that wired you. He's the one that created you in his own image. And he knows what he wants to do with you. Because our greatest success, our greatest joy, our greatest happiness is found in following Jesus. Bottom line. If you've never trusted Jesus, are you not sure that you've ever trusted Jesus? This invitation is for you. Maybe you're one that has never publicly confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never followed him in baptism by immersion, which is part of your public testimony and symbolic faith in Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. 
Maybe you're here today. This invitation is for you. Maybe you're one of those who are looking for a church home. Oh, we've got a great church home here. And you'd like to indicate, I think I'd like to unite with this church family. I'd like to be a part of this church family. I want this family to be my family. I'm as close to this family as I am to my own biological family because I love this church family. You want to do the same thing. This invitation is for you too. You want to come forward and pray with me about this particular thing. And for all of us, this is a time of rededication. As you let the Holy Spirit search your heart, there are vows that have been broken that were made once upon a time. There are uh, self-control that has been out of whack. We want, to, we want to be spirit controlled and not self-control. We certainly want to live a life that honors and glorifies the Lord. He's been such a blessing to each one of us. Won't you come? Let's stand for prayer, if you will. Our most gracious Father, we praise you for this day. We thank you for this benefit that we have in Jesus. We thank you for your salvation. We thank you for your uh, coming into our hearts and minds and lives. Be with us now. Lord God, I love you. I praise you for who you are and for what you're accomplishing here. Thank you for these decisions. Lord, we want to finish each day stronger than when we started it. Father, so we can come to the end of our days on earth and say, Lord, take my life. Let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. For it's in Jesus' precious name we pray these things.